Hello, I'm Chloe Roll, and welcome to Health Glow with Chloe Podcast, the show where we tackle many health topics with a variety of professionals from all over the world. As a disclaimer, this podcast is not a substitution for a diagnosis. Kindly consult your physician with any questions you may have regarding your medical condition. Always remember, a healthy glow starts from within. So welcome to the first episode of Health Glow with Chloe. Today, we are coming out with a bang. I have a special guest here with me today, and I'm just so excited. She's an expert in diabetes, as well as she's here to set set the record straight. So let's welcome the best registered dietitian I know and social media inspo, Miss Kim Rose. Thank you for having me, Chloe. I appreciate it. Yes. So... Kim, I would just appreciate if you could just give me a brief description of yourself. Sure, mm-hmm. sure. So, you know, I always think it's good to lay the foundation. And whenever anyone asks me this question, I say, okay, well, where do I start? So <laughs> let's start from the beginning. So I was originally born in Jamaica, migrated to the United States when I was a child. But of course, that didn't mean that I wasn't grown in a traditional Jamaican household. And I went off to university, you know, I always thought I was going to be a physical therapist, mm-hmm. but you know, for some reason, God just had a totally different path. So one of my family members, my uncle said to me, you know, why don't you consider being a dietitian, nutritionist? And I was like, a what? <laughs> like I have never heard of a dietitian nutritionist before. Mm-hmm. So I just decided, you know what? It doesn't hurt to double major because I realized some of my undergraduate classes were the same, except for, you know, you would go more in depth with nutrition, looking at the right. metabolism and the anatomy and physiology of the digestive tract and different diseases, which can innervate the system. Right. So when I took my nutrition 101, which was like the introductory, introductory course, I just loved it. And I haven't turned back since. Um, And I'm grateful for that, too, because, you know, I came to find out when I became a dietitian 10 years ago, I'm giving away my age, (laughs) 10 years ago, that not a lot of Black dietitians were present in the field. I was actually, those of you guys listening to this, I was actually sharing with Chloe uh, before we got on air that less than 3% of dietitians in the United States are Black. And I can imagine how much of a smaller percentage are Caribbean dietitians. I took my Nutrition 101, which is like the introductory course. I just loved it. And I haven't turned back kidney disease and all of these other diseases. We can see that it disproportionately impacts Black and Brown people. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we need a health practitioner that is able to relate. So... Uh, in a nutshell, that that that's me. That's a little <laughs> bit about me. Thank you, Kim. And you know what? I'm going to say that it is definitely needed. We do need a lot of dietitians here. Um, I find that a lot of us aren't really familiar with what is a good diet. Almost as, as I was explaining to Kim, our staple is heavy peas and rice, the macaroni, uh, fish, definitely conch, uh, pork chops, anything. And, you know, we're not really balancing it out. 
So ladies and gentlemen who are listening to this, please, if you're thinking about a great and awesome career opportunity to change your community, change the world, please consider being a dietitian. And so Kim, I wanted to start off my show with um, the guest favorite quote and why. So could you give us your favorite quote, please? It's a quote that my father would always recite to me. Um, he said he learned it in school when he was a boy, and it's by Henry Longsfellow, if I remember correctly. Uh, it's the heights of great men reach and kept were not attained by sudden flight, but they, while their companions slept, were toiling upward through the night. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I'm Jamaican, so I, there's actually a Jamaican reggae song <laughs> that has... <laughs> that's so important is because it speaks to us it speaks to us not only from an educational level but our goals like our health goals like you know what are your goals that you want to achieve like you really have to put your mind and you have to put your energy to it you know when people ask me the question well you know Kim well how how do I implement changes what should I do you know one of the most important things I say to them is first you have to change your mindset it's not about changing what's in the pantry and changing what's in the fridge it all starts in your mind so you know when my father would recite that to me it was basically my battle song to get my mind right what I thought right Kim this is you're going to take on and it's the same thing that I like to encourage all my patients and all my clients you know to battle the battle the the fight first in your mind and then afterward your actions will follow so yeah, that, that's my favorite quote. You heard it here first. So let's get right into it. Now, here in the Caribbean, we say sugar. Mm-hmm. Some people also say, well, they say diabetes. So what exactly is diabetes? Sure. So there's actually many different types of diabetes. And also in the United States, we do say the term sugar as well. Mm -hmm. So diabetes is a disorder where if it's type one diabetes, that is more of a uh, inborn condition where your pancreas, which is an organ located inside of your body, does not make insulin. And insulin is a hormone that is needed to convert the quote unquote sugar that you eat into your foods in order for energy to be utilized. Mm-hmm. So the insulin is not being made. So instead, what happens is all that quote unquote sugar stays in the blood. So when you prick your finger, you find out all oh, your blood sugar is high. Mm-hmm. There is also type two diabetes, which it used to be called adult onset diabetes. But we're finding out now that you know, children as young as nine years old that have a sedentary lifestyle and are eating a lot of processed foods and junk foods and not exercising are having that diabetes as well. Um, Case in point, I have nieces. And especially during this COVID era where they're home a lot, you know, when they went to their doctor's office for a checkup, the doctor said, well, you know, your blood sugar, (laughs) your blood sugar is a little too high. You guys need to get a little more active. And, you know, that's just one of the consequences of COVID, much more sedentary. Mm-hmm. But type 2 diabetes is a condition where the pancreas, which is that organ inside of the body, is making insulin, but the cells are not responding. So in order to treat uh, these two types of diabetes, type 1 diabetes, definitely uh, you want to make sure that you have insulin on board. But with type 2 diabetes, it's a bit different. So there's a few things that you can do. 
definitely diet and exercise are mm -hmm. main factors and main components in the whole entire treatment plan and also medication. A lot of people think medication is quote unquote bad. It's not bad. It will help you. But medication, just because you're on medication for type 2 diabetes does not mean you have to stay on it. If you are committed yes. to changing your diet and lifestyle and learning how to properly manage your stress and get adequate sleep at nighttime, all of these things can help bring down blood sugar levels. Yes. Are there any risk factors for diabetes? Yes, there are. So there's a few mm -hmm. risk factors. So people of color, black and brown people, we are disproportionately impacted. Um, but, you know, as I like to say to people, genetics loads the gun, but lifestyle pulls the trigger. Oh. So, let, let me just repeat. Say genetics loads the gun, but lifestyle pulls the trigger. So you may be listening and you're someone who says, well, you know, I have a family history of diabetes. So that means when I get older, I'm going to have diabetes as well. No, not necessarily. You have to see what lifestyle are you living? Are you living a party lifestyle, a high stress lifestyle? Are you, live, are you eating foods that are high in fat and highly yes. processed that don't have any fiber and are low in nutrients? What lifestyle are you living that is going to pull that gun and cause your cells to be insulin resistant. Other lifestyle factors include um, women. Women tend to, because of you know, the whole entire estrogen, we can tend to be a little bit more predisposed. Um, additionally, physical inactivity, tobacco mm -hmm. smoking or smoking in general. I know a lot of people are vaping. Uh, all of that is included in you know, the different risk factors. And also eating a lot of processed and refined foods. So if your foods are really missing the fiber, which comes from, you know, the whole grains, I like to think of um, fiber as well. Did God make it? If God didn't make it, then it's, hey, we can, but we have to definitely minimize the amount. So these are just a few of the risk factors. And additionally as well, what I think people don't realize is, um, the ABCs of diabetes, as I like to call them. So A mm -hmm. is your blood sugar. Uh, we refer that to the A1C, which is how much, um, how much sugar your red blood cells are carrying. B is your blood pressure and C is your cholesterol. Even though ah. people think that diabetes can impact your heart, mm -hmm. heart disease is one of the number one killers for people of color. So just because you say, you know, I may have a little, you know, high blood sugar or diabetes, it's also very important to watch your heart health risk. So I also like to tell people like, you know, when you have diabetes, you have to be careful of how much salt you're consuming because this can cause high blood pressure and diabetes and high blood pressure combined can lead into kidney disease, which is not pretty. Right. It is not pretty at all. But that's not to say someone who has kidney disease that they're doomed. There's other things that you can do. And also your cholesterol levels. Um, additionally, alcohol consumption. And the reason why I say alcohol consumption is because, look, I'm from the Caribbean. It can really impact your blood sugars. Thank you. <laughs> so can you tell me the signs and symptoms of diabetes? What are we really looking out for? Because I do know uh, a lot of 
uh, patients, they're not aware of the signs and symptoms, you know, and you want to make sure that maybe a family member who might notice what they're going through if they're, you know, I'm giving it away, but frequently urinating, mm-hmm. if they're not aware of that, but a family member is aware of that, they can point that out to them. So mm-hmm. what really are some of the signs and symptoms that we need to know? Sure. So, you know, you just mentioned the frequent urination. Another one that I like to tell people to look out for is you just have this thirst that cannot be quenched. Mm -hmm. Drinking water, water, water galore, and you're just thirsty all the time. So that is another sign. And the reason for that is because can you imagine we have all of this excess sugar in, in our blood? So what the body tries to do, because of the excess sugar being in our blood, our blood actually becomes thick, more like a syrup. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of difficult for that syrup to pass through our veins and, excuse me, our arteries. So what it tries to do is to dilute it, to make Mm -hmm. you pee out all of that extra sugar. So that thirst is a factor. You also have something called polyphagia, which is just a, a fancy scientific term for, you know, you're hungry. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I meet a lot of people that say, you know, they're hungry and they're eat, they continue to eat, 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 but instead of gaining weight, they end up losing weight because the food is not being taken into the cells because the insulin is not working like it should. Another thing is fatigue. Fatigue is, it's real. And the reason for that is because even though we're eating and we're drinking, Again, that food is not being absorbed into the cell. So you end up being tired as a result. So um, another thing as well that you may want to look out for is um, dizziness. So dizziness is a part of the whole entire factor when it comes to signs and symptoms of you may possibly have having high blood sugars. And also it can affect your eyes. Um, You guys can't see, but I wear glasses. And you can have like this blurry vision. And a lot of times you may think, well, hmm, you know, my eyes are bad. I probably, you know, need to go to the doctor and get my eyes checked. But that is one of the signs as well that the blood sugars are high. And the reason for that is because the nerves that enter the eyes, they're extremely, extremely small and tiny. So when your your blood sugar is high and your blood becomes syrupy, it kind of blocks off the blood passage to the eyeball. So it, it, it basically messes with your vision. So those are just a few of the symptoms. Yes. And those are very important symptoms as well. I do know of some cases as well, where some patients who have diabetes will have numbness of their hands and feet. Yeah. yeah as well. So please, if anybody's listening, if they have a family member who might be experiencing the signs and symptoms as Kim just stated, please, you know, be aware, be on the lookout for that. All right. So I do have a true and false segment. I would like to debunk some myths. And my first myth is eating sugar causes diabetes. No, that's false. Okay. Carbs are the enemy. Oh, that is false. (laughs) Social media and fake news for putting that one out. That is false. I want to spend a little time on this one because this is my pet peeve. Mm -hmm. Carbohydrates do not... What what, what was the... Say it one more time. Carbs are the enemy. So it is not. Carbohydrates. So there's three 
forms, three major forms of nutrients for the body. There's carbohydrates, there's fats, and there's proteins. Vitamins and minerals are minor nutrients. They're essential, but they're minor. So the thing about carbohydrates is carbohydrates are actually the preferred source of energy for the brain. Carbohydrates are also full of different B vitamins, which is needed in our DNA. It's needed in our brain development. So carbohydrates are not the enemy. The problem becomes how much of the carbohydrates are you consuming? And by mm. carbohydrates, let me just give a definition for, for, or not a definition, but food examples. Foods that contain carbohydrates include fruits mm -hmm. and have a lot of vitamins in them. You have your breads, your pastas, your rice, your corn, your potato, your yogurt, and also other dairy products. So these foods are not bad. As you can see, a lot of these foods are, as I like to call, God made them. Right. Uh, a bag of chips or like uh, a, a soda <laughs> made them. So the problem is we just live in societies where we, we tend to be gluttonous, if I may use that term, friendly, mm -hmm. to overeat. And we tend to overindulge and we don't listen to our hunger cues. So a lot of the times what I find with my clients is people eat but they confuse their thirst with their hunger. Right. So what I always like to tell people is, hey, before you eat something, drink some water, water. so you can really assess. Yes, yes. I got off on a tangent. I'm sorry. No, no. Actually, I'm happy that you cleared that up because, you know, it is, it is a myth. So, and so a lot of people believe that fruits are high in sugar. Mm -hmm. And so I've seen a lot of comments on social media. Oh no, you can't have that. You can't have fruits. Got to cut it all, cut it all out. So I want to, you know, just debunk that here. Yes. So fruits, fruits are a great way to get our vitamins and minerals in them. And also we have to remember fruits are a great source of fiber. So I'm not speaking about fruit juice. I'm speaking about fruits. So what mm -hmm. fiber actually helps to do is helps to control how quickly our blood sugar level rises. So if someone says to me, and you know, I hear this a lot in the, in the States, oh, you know, my doctor told me to stop eating mango or my doctor told me to stop eating um, fruits in general because it's high for my blood sugars. Right. And I'm like, well, no, that's not necessarily true. How are you going to get your vitamin A? How are you going to get your vitamin C? You know, so it's, and also these vitamins in and of themselves, they have an impact in the body that they can actually help regulate our metabolism and also regulate uh, insulin production and how glucose is metabolized in the liver, so forth and so on. So fruits, fruits are not bad. We need, God made them. We need them. <laughs> for patients who are recently diagnosed with diabetes, I know for a fact that they are referred or almost always referred to a dietitian. Mm -hmm. So what are some things that you access on the patient's full, sorry, assess on the patient's first visit and what should they expect when they come to you? Sure. So the first thing that I always like to assess, um, you know, we, we do speak a little bit about, you know, their culture and the typical foods that are consumed in their culture, because I believe that everyone's diet should be individualistic, mm -hmm. uh, just because, you know, your neighbor has diabetes and they're eating this does not necessarily mean that you have you to should. eat the same thing. Right. 
because there's something called a nutrition prescription. So the best way that I can give an example of what a nutrition prescription is, is, you know, the doctor, um, you know, like yourself, they prescribe a certain medication for a patient A and prescribe a different medication for patient B, and they may mm -hmm. be having the same things going on. That's exactly how nutrition is. So I first get to know them, the foods that are in their diet, get to find out what their lifestyle is because I need to make adjustments to my nutrition prescription to make sure that it's fitting into the lifestyle of the person. So I like to talk about all of that. The next thing that is most important that I do is speak about meal timing. And the reason for that is some people, they just graze all day long. And then they come to me and they say, well, I don't know why my blood sugars are high. And then I say, well, you know, you didn't give your body a chance to, to rest, to mm -hmm. digest. You kept making your blood sugars go higher and higher and higher because you thought you needed to eat something every two hours with diabetes, which is actually old science, right. when no, you don't. So I like to discuss meal timing and carbohydrate spacing. So the reason why carbohydrate spatial is important is because you need to give your body, you need to give your cells a chance to consume all of that sugar found in the foods. The next thing that I like to do is to give them my nutrition prescription. So I will tell them, okay, well, this is how much, exactly how much carbs you should be eating at each and every single meal. And it, it, it depends per person. So a person that is an athlete that's active may have a higher carbohydrate allotment than someone who is older and a little more sedentary and is in their retirement years. So I like to um, really individualize that. And then afterwards, what I do is I like to let them know, like have basically have them teach back the information to me that was given. And the reason why I do that is because they're going home at night without me. So I need Facts. to basically dump what is in my head into their head and make sure with my, I call it a quiz. I always call it a pop quiz at the end <laughs> that they understand everything. So I have them teach me back the information and there is no shame in it. You know, one thing as a dietitian that I will find, if you don't get something, don't tell me that you get it and you don't get it. Because what's going to happen is the doctor is then going to call me and say, okay, Kim, you wrote in your notes that the person got it. But then they came back to me three months later and their blood sugars are off the roof. So then it falls back on me. Exactly. Yeah. It's anyone listening to this, you know, if you have a doctor, if you have a dietitian, be honest with them and say, you know, I don't get what you're saying because you have to remember, you guys don't work for us. We work for you. Mm -hmm. You work for us. So the ball is in your court. Don't let the little white coat and the glasses intimidate you. Do mm -hmm. not. And I mean, this is something that <laughs> my clients, I, you know, when clients come and tell me, oh, you know, I've had diabetes for 15 years and yeah, the doctor put me on some sugar pills. What, what pills? Why don't you know what pills? And that's not to say anything. Shame. Don't be shamed about it. Because, you know, where I'm coming from, my parents, they only have a fourth grade education, but I've empowered them you have to ask questions. Right. Don't let the doctor intimidate you. They work for you. You don't work for them. This is why you're paying into your insurance. <laughs> so ask questions. And even if they get annoyed, call them out and say, you know, I realize you're, you're, you're a little short. You're a little brief. You're answering me a little brash. But I need to know this. You guys are the bus drivers. I am just your passenger. 
I've said a ton. I've said a ton. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I'm I'm loving it. And I'm sure the audience is as well. But I do have one question with your last point. Uh, with elderly patients, do you encourage maybe a family relative to come along to remind them? Because some patients do forget what medications that they're on, or maybe even uh, a, a diet log or maybe a journal, a diary. Is that something that you would encourage as well? Oh, yes. Something that I encourage all patients, all clients to keep in their wallet, because a lot of times I know that the medication list can be long. Mm-hmm. Also, the, the amount, like if it's like five milligrams of whatever medication, I highly recommend to keep a list of it in their wallet so that when the provider asks them what medications you're on, you just take out that list and you hand it to them. Um, and those are for the individuals that don't have anyone to go to the doctor's office with. Right. For individuals that can bring someone with them, you know, just to really be their advocate. Like with my parents, I always try to go with them because I know my parents are older. They come from a mindset where you don't question a provider. You just take the information and you don't understand. Well, you just figure it out. Mm-hmm. I go with them and I'm like, um, but wait, da, 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 uh, but this doesn't make sense. Da, 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 da. <laughs> and I know it gets on my parents' nerve, but I said, but this is why you're paying, paying your money, right? Yes. Paying your money. Yeah. So if you can have someone to go with you, that, that would be good. That's perfect. And so are there any diet restrictions uh, like the keto diets, going vegetarian or vegan? I see vegan is really, really popular. Uh, and is, is, would that be recommended? Or are there, is there a difference in diet for patients who have diabetes? So with diabetes, and I'm going to cite here the American Diabetic Association or American Diabetes Association, mm-hmm. there is no such thing as a diabetic diet. And I think that is gold. And the reason for that is because people diagnosed with diabetes, every single person eats differently. So it's going to be really hard to say, oh, you know, you're, you're from Indian descent and you have a lot of roti and you have a lot of curry. So you have to eat this or, oh, you're from African descent or American descent. So you have to eat this. There's no such thing. All foods do fit into a healthy diet. But what I want people to be aware of is that does not mean it's a free for all, but you still do have to watch your carbohydrate portions. And the best advice, the piece of free advice I can give, and I normally don't give free advice, but I know this is going to be released in the, in the Caribbean, and, you know, the Caribbean holds a special place in my heart. Yes. You want to use your palm as a measurement. So, you know, when you look at your hand, just pretend like you have no fingers, And your palm will be the size of your potato or the portion of your macaroni or the portion of your rice and peas. And I'm not talking about like a heaping mound. I'm talking a level mound. And people may say, well, wow, you know, I normally have two, three, four palmfuls. Exactly. The problem, this is the problem that no one's telling you. You, you having three, four palmfuls is what's causing, you know, the elevated blood sugars. So if you find that you're still hungry, what I would recommend is to increase the portion of your non-starchy vegetables, such as your greens, your tomatoes, your eggplants, and also increase the portions of your lean protein. 
Okay, so you're definitely heading into my next question, <laughs> which was really, are there any foods and nutrients you would recommend that should always be a staple with patients who have diabetes? Yes, especially um, the non-starchy vegetables. And it doesn't matter like if the starchy, if the non-starchy vegetables are raw or cooked. Uh, for instance, when I say raw, I mean in the form of a salad or cooked um, you know, whatever type of cooked greens you guys may have in the islands, it really doesn't matter. But the reason for that is two reasons. Number one, non-starchy vegetables have fiber in them. And as I stated earlier, fiber really helps to bring down the blood sugar levels. And also number two, these non-starchy vegetables are filled with different nutrients in them. Uh, one nutrient of concern is magnesium and magnesium actually helps to bring down blood sugar levels. Yes. Copper helps to do the same thing. Um, and they're filled with different phytochemicals as well that just have a heart health benefit in them. So really focusing, like you don't have to go vegan, you don't have to go vegetarian, <laughs> but, but a plant forward diet. And again, I mean, God made it. You, you yeah. can't with what I made. Yes, yes, I agree. And so has there been any instances where patients committed themselves and by the end of the year they didn't didn't have diabetes? Like oh yeah. Uh, I, I know a few patients actually. So when so here's the thing a lot of people may come to you and may say, oh you know I can reverse your diabetes and I don't like that term reverse. Mm -hmm. I like to use the term remission. Just like when someone has cancer and they are free of cancer and they come off of all the medications and chemotherapy, a doctor never tells them that they're free of cancer. A doctor always says you're in remission. Like, you know, we can't detect any cancerous cells in your body. Right. Or that's not a free-for-all to say that you can just whatever whatever you still have to get checked out and be conscious and be you know health aware mm -hmm. so I always like to say yes there has been cases with people that I have worked with and their diabetes has gone into remission and they have came off of medications and the and it's so simple it is so simple mm -hmm. once you get the portion sizes and the meal times and focusing on the non-starchy vegetables and lean protein and having a proper portion of carbohydrates, I have seen it work wonders for people, wonders. And I've had doctors come back to me and say, well, oh, well, what, what did you do? And I said, nothing, nothing that, you know, is not found in a medical journal. I just made sure that they stayed on their medications until you took them off mm -hmm. um, because that is a physician's decision. And also really emphasize the importance of diet and lifestyle. Anybody who is listening, please remember that it is possible. So is there any other advice you would give to your patients besides a nutrition standpoint? Yes. Yes, okay. there is. I wanted to let people know that it's never too late to start. You know, everyone will, you know, some people would say, well, you know, I've had diabetes for 20 years, 40 years, so forth and so on. It's never too late to start. Even the smallest changes may go a long way. Additionally, don't feel that everything that was discussed in this podcast, that you just have to get up and make all of the changes. If you find that stress is your major problem, because stress does elevate blood sugars now, 
you know, work on stress relieving activities. I was reading an article and I, I was finding out that, you know, knitting and crossword puzzles and doing things with your hands are great stress relievers. Uh, what I personally like to do to relieve stress is I like to go for a walk, yeah. especially now, like in the cool of the day, it's almost six o'clock. I like to go for a walk because that is my way of stress relief. Um, additionally, sleep. Sleep is so important. Um, when you don't, there's this guy that I used to work with. He was a uh, respiratory therapist and he did this presentation and I didn't even know people that do not sleep well, what actually happens to them. You know, when you have like a bad night and you're tossing and you're turning, not only do you wake up and eat more calories and more sugar because you're trying to give yourself energy because you didn't rest well, right. but so your hormone levels, you know, your cortisol level goes up, mm-hmm. your responses go up and this impacts your horm- hormone it impacts your in- insulin it impacts your your glucose of um, how much glucose is released by your liver and all of this time after time after time can result in type 2 diabetes so you know these are just some lifestyle things to check and to take little by little so that you know you can live your healthiest and happiest life Yes. And I know you touched on it as well. Like you said, you like to take a walk, but a good, a good workout don't hurt nobody. I, and so I want to say thank you, Kim, for coming on the show. Those were, you can reach out to Miss Kim here. She is on Instagram at the blood sugar nutritionist. Yes. Yes. And I also understand that you do have a podcast as well. Nutrition, nutrition lifestyles with Kim and Joanne. I recommend definitely. <laughs> yes, thank you so much. I appreciate you having me. Yes, and also one more thing. I understand that you're having a free mastermind class. Yes, yes, I am. Uh, thank you so much for bringing that up. So yes. for individuals that want to know a little bit more about diabetes, I have a mastermind class. Uh, free it is let me get the date it is april 20th 22nd 28th and 29th it's called diabetes mistakes that you are making and simple way to find out more about it is to um go on my instagram as chloe just said it is the dot blood sugar dot nutritionist on instagram yes so thank you so much kim My pleasure. Thanks for listening. If you'd enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram at chloe underscore v underscore. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.